Every Canadian city has its own crime. Gangs of Montreal is the first in a national post-media podcast series called The Dark North. Listen to how the two biggest gangs, the Hells Angels and the Rizzuto crime family, ruled the city's underworld starting in the late 1970s. They have left hundreds dead and injured and countless more afraid of crossing them. Hosted by Montreal Gazette crime reporter Paul Cherry, new episodes of The Dark North are released each Monday. Listen to The Dark North on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher today. When cannabis first became legalized, the market was hit with shortages as producers struggled to keep up with demand. A year later, a glut of product and some sluggish sales have producers taking big losses. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. We talk to the Financial Post's Van Mala Subramaniam about some of the issues companies are facing and how they plan to deal with the rollout of edibles, drinks, and more. Don't forget, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get the best podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends about us. So Van Mulla, last year, uh, once cannabis was legalized in Canada, there seemed to be a big rush among the public to get in on the ground floor, as it were, buy up a, a ton of cannabis stocks that probably helped the price of these stocks go really high. But as we've reached the one year mark, everything seems to have kind of either leveled off or started falling off. Why is that? Yeah, I think, Dave, there were a couple of major, you know, hiccups, particularly along the supply chain leading out from, you know, the licensed producer of cannabis all the way to the consumer. That's kind of made things a little bit more difficult. So what I'm, what I'm saying specifically is, first of all, in, you know, the country's largest market, Ontario, 14 million people, you only have... 25 cannabis stores, legal cannabis retail stores open to date. Wow. And so one of the things uh, LPs, licensed producers, are complaining about is they're saying, hey, we have enough cannabis here. There's no shortage. Like We've scaled up. We've grown. But uh, we can't supply our stuff straight to the consumer because our access points are being choked off. So I think that's a big a, a massive factor. And that is in a way, to some extent, causing an inventory pileup. Although, you know, licensed producers have just been growing a lot. So the fact that they, they are growing a lot and they can't sell to the consumer obviously causes, you know, some sort of supply glut. So we're seeing that happen. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the, the other factor is that for certain companies, I think they miscalculated the kinds of products that Canadian consumers might want to consume. So for instance, Canopy in its latest quarter had to take a massive kind of, you know, write down 32 million on returned products and they were soft gel capsules and oil. So, you know, for some reason, those product lines weren't good. They didn't really hit it off with consumers. Mm -hmm. And so that was a miscalculation on Canopy's part. So a bunch of things happening all at the same time. And I think we're seeing them all come to a head uh, in the last few weeks. So when you say soft gel capsules, like you're talking about cannabis THC oil in like a gel cap, like an Advil 
gel cap kind of thing? Yep, exactly. So, you know, in the early days prior to legalization, I remember talking to Bruce Linton, the former CEO of Canopy, and he was really touting these these soft gel cap products to the recreational market. And the idea was, okay, if you're not someone who wants to, you know, buy dried flour, roll a joint and smoke it in a traditional way, here's here's an option for you. Uh, you, you just have this pill, it's kind of like a pill, um, mm-hmm. and it has diluted cannabis oil in it, uh, quite CBD heavy, so, you know, not very psychoactive. Uh, it's supposed to have, make you kind of calm and have a soporific effect, make you, you know, sleepy. And uh, so they thought these products would really sell. And in the early days of legalization, those products did sell, but that was only because Canopy kind of channel stuffed, so to speak. So what that means is they had all this product ready to go and they just gave it to the wholesalers and the wholesalers didn't have a lot of other product choice. So, you know, people go to stores and they see this product there. They're like, yeah, might as well try it. Mm -hmm. But as more and more products came to market, what happened was people became more discerning in their tastes uh, and cannabis Canopy soft gel pills, their diluted oils just didn't sell. And so now we're seeing these big returns on their financials. And how's it affecting other companies? You talked about Canopy, but what about some of the other big players in Canada's cannabis market? Who are they? Are some doing better than others or is everybody kind of taking a bit of a, a haircut here? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. Uh, Generally speaking, the largest producers are not doing well right now. So the revenue declines. Canopy canopy has seen particularly bad numbers out of their financials. But Aurora, the second biggest licensed producer in Canada, has also seen its revenues from the recreational market kind of go down uh, quarter by quarter. And so has Organigram quite a big licensed producer out in New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's happening is Hexo, uh, a Quebec licensed producer, they recently had to shut down uh, a facility out in Niagara that they had acquired, you know, just this year uh, and let go, you know, 200 people. And that is simply because they are spending too much and have to cut costs. And they're spending too much relative to the fact that they can't sell enough. So, you know, it's a the declining revenue phenomenon is definitely affecting more than just canopy. It's it's a phenomenon you're seeing throughout uh major licensed producers across the country. Yeah, you were saying that the canopy took something like a 32, 33 million dollar hit. Is everyone kind of in that ballpark? Anyone taking bigger hits? So, you know, it's a really good question and the answer is quite complicated because some people say the the accounting rules in cannabis are, are quite complicated. I'm not going to get into that, but essentially uh, you saw Organigram, for instance, the producer out in New Brunswick, they, they took a $3.7 million hit in product returns relative to their revenue that was quite significant. So keep in mind, Canopy's revenue is much larger than a smaller producer like Organigram. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Aurora claims that they have not taken any kind of returns and write-downs, but, you know, I've seen analysis out there that says it's coming, it, it could happen, or they could have accounted for it differently. So, you know, in in general, the one theme that seems to be uh, pervasive throughout the cannabis world, the cannabis industry, is that 
these producers are struggling to sell. So it's not so much that they don't have enough weed and they can't grow it well. It's that they are struggling to get their product out or people don't really like their product. So those mm. are the two big factors. What do people in the industry say would be the easiest way to fix what they see as a problem? Or how, how do we get past some of these uh big corporate losses and and see some companies turn it around? I think the industry is united in one thing, and that is asking the government of Ontario to immediately license way more stores, you know, brick and mortar stores here, so that people in the province actually have spots to go to uh, to buy legal weed. So for instance, uh, right now in Alberta, um, there are 326 licensed stores. Hmm. Um, compare the population of Alberta to Ontario, where there are only, you know, 25 licensed stores with uh, an additional just 50 slated to come on in the next few months. So I think for the licensed producers, the one ask is, let's just have more stores. You're choking our business. But, you know, uh, the criticism of that or critique of that would be, hey, sure, you know, we need accessibility, yes. However, your product isn't that great. So product that's on the black market uh, you know, has more, there's more variety of product in the black market right now. And the quality of dried flour, for the most part, tends to be better. So I think there are a bunch of things that licensed producers also could do better. The other thing is prices are quite high. So it's more expensive to buy legal weed than it is to buy weed from the black market. So a lot of the hit that you might see producers take in the coming quarters would be because they've had to revise their prices and lower their prices. So per gram, they're not going to get revenues they thought they were going to get. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like typically in a, in a normal free market, if there's lots of competition and, and there's lots of product, the producers may have to actually lower their price to get people to buy the, what they're selling. Um, where does kind of the idea of cannabis 2.0 come into this? Are a lot of companies hinging their futures on the introductions of edibles or THC-infused beverages or other sorts of things like that? Um, or are they taking a cautious approach to it, knowing what they know now about some of the struggles to find what really clicks with consumers? I think a lot of the companies, at least the rhetoric coming out of them has been, don't worry, Cannabis 2.0 is going to solve all this for us. Not in those words, but that has kind of been the tone of it. Um, and, and they're hinging it on the fact that on the black market, legal producers can't compete effectively because they don't sell edibles, they don't sell vape pens, and those are very popular products on the black market. But the one thing that industry experts would caution licensed producers on is that you're still not clear what exactly people want, you know, even when edibles and vape pens and beverages get legalized. So for instance, market data from the US tells us that weed-infused beverages aren't really a hit in, in many states, you know, um, and dried flour is still the best-selling product. So Canopy, for instance, Hexo, a bunch of other companies have pumped in a lot of money into bottling facilities or joint ventures with, you know, companies that can 
make uh, cannabis-infused beverages. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And, you know, one expert I was talking to was saying he thinks cannabis producers should actually wait and see for six months to see what kind of products really resonate amongst consumers before deciding, all right, I'm going to really invest in making this kind of product because you don't want, you know, the soft gel capsule kind of saga to take place again. So they're looking south of the border to to jurisdictions where cannabis has already been legalized, uh, right? Like they're looking at places like Colorado. Absolutely. Yeah. And California. Yep. These beverages don't seem to be taking on there. Do do you get the sense that companies don't just quite realize that for a lot of people, the idea of using cannabis is also like a very social sharing a joint with friends kind of experience and and someone may not want to take a couple capsules or have a drink like it just fits a different user than say having a few beers that is possible you know one one of the if if you ask a, uh, someone who's been owning a uh, gray market dispensary for decades in Canada they would tell you that when they look at the way licensed producers are running their businesses they have no idea what the consumer wants and so one of the criticisms is you didn't come to us the black market to figure out what consumers want because you know we've been running this industry well for the last you know de- you know in for decades mm-hmm. uh, and and we we have a sense of of the market maybe it's not traditional market data but you know we we have a sense of the market so i think there is a lot of hype in things like beverages you know you're seeing that hype spread into uh cbd products uh you know and and so it but it remains unclear how much actual demand that's going to be for any one kind of product and the biggest problem is that it's such a nascent industry and you just you don't have data right like so the kinds of data you have on the legal market in canada it's just been 13 months in so i think it's going to be very rough for the next little while because the industry is so new. And eventually, maybe, say, 10 years down the line or even, you know, seven to 10 years down the line, I I expect if licensed producers run their business as well, you know, they will be able to finally figure out consumer preferences. But I think right now it's still very complicated. So where are things at with some of these new products coming to the market? Like they were made legal one year in, but it, they had companies had to apply for approval to produce them. When could we see them roll out in stores across Canada? Technically, uh, on October 17th, 2019, a month ago, uh, edibles, beverages, and concentrates, cannabis concentrates, became legal in Canada. However, the earliest time period in which you might see some of these products will be mid-December, possibly before Christmas, because Health Canada has to approve the products that licensed producers submit to them. They have to say, okay, that's fine. That doesn't appeal to kids. That's, you know, or that does, that's candy. Sorry, take your product back. You need to come up with another kind of product. So, you know, there's a lot of consultation and negotiation going on right now between the government and the licensed producers. So at the earliest, we'll see it in December. But, but you know, I think the biggest factor, if you live in a place like Ontario, is that there just aren't enough stores. So, even when you have a, a lot of products on the market, 
retailers have been raising uh, questions about whether they will have enough shelf space to actually display these products. So I think it's going to be a really slow rollout. And I think realistically speaking, it is probably only deep into winter of next year where you'll see uh, new products in the market. So what's the holdup with Ontario? Why is why is there a delay in getting more stores open? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's complicated. And to be honest, the government hasn't been very forthcoming or very direct on what exactly the holdup is. So in the beginning, they said it was a supply shortage. And because it was a supply shortage, they didn't want to license many retailers because they didn't want retailers to go out of business. And, you know, right, right, rightfully so, because we saw that happen in a number of provinces like Newfoundland, for instance. However, the supply issue, if you look at Health Canada data, seems to have ironed itself out. There is enough supply uh, in the market right now to meet demand, and so, which is why licensed producers are calling for the government to open up stores. Uh, in the recent fall economic statement, the Ontario government hinted that they are going to kind of, you know, open up stores to meet market demand. What that means, I'm not sure. They never gave a specific number. There are rumors uh, kind of flying around in the industry that it is imminent. They're going to make an imminent announcement on, you know, just kind of opening up however many stores, giving out licenses to anyone. So, and kind of abandoning that very strict lottery system that they were relying on. However, there has been no concrete action. And I'm frankly not quite sure why. And no one is quite sure why. So it's, you know, we're in a bit of a limbo right now. Well, it's definitely interesting uh, to see how the industry has changed in the first year since legalization. And we'll be curious to see what happens over the next year. Van Willa, thanks for your time. Thank you, Dave. 103 is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music and additional production by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Van Willa Subramaniam. More from her at financialpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>